Today on the newscast, it's a Watchman exclusive. Amir Sarfati of Behold Israel joins us with a breaking prophetic update. That's next. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to a very special edition of the Watchman newscast, a Watchman exclusive with our good friend Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Amir joins us from Israel with a breaking prophetic update, Russia, Ukraine, Iran, Israel, Damascus, and what it all means to you and what the Bible says about it. Now, before we get into it, be sure to subscribe to Behold Israel, Amir's great channel right here on YouTube. He is bringing you breaking prophetic perspective, lots of great content on Behold Israel. We love what Amir is doing, so be sure to subscribe and give him a thumbs up. He's doing God's work from God's land. Let's go there right now. A very special interview with our good friend, Amir Sarfati. Take a look. And we are joined now by the one and only Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Amir, welcome. Great to have you joining us from Israel. Thank you, Eric. It's a great honor to be with you today. It's always great to see you, my friend. And what a time to have you. Uh, prophetic times, Bible times we are living in. Let's start with Russia, Ukraine. Now, NATO officials are saying that Russia has lost, in their estimates, between 7,000 and 15,000 troops already in only a month during this campaign in Ukraine. What are your thoughts on what's unfolding there right now, number one? And number two, are there prophetic implications to the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Well, I think that the Russians are definitely having some difficulties on the ground, and they are well aware of that. This is why they moved from invasion into obliteration. They are right now at the phase where they can't move much further into Kiev, but they they began destroying the cities from the air and from the sea. And, uh, and that is in order to cover up for the need to replace, you know, the dead soldiers with new ones. Mm -hmm. and, and all the supply chain is now pretty much in, uh, on hold. And they're stuck they're on the ground. But make no mistake, the Russians never, ever let that one stand on their way. Even in Syria, if you really think about it, it's the same general, by the way, that is running the show in Mariupol in, on, the, on the Black Sea that uh, ran the show also in northern Syria and Idlib. When they can go in, or if they do not want to go in, they just destroy it from afar and break yeah. the spirit of the people in. And so what we see now happening to the Ukraine is what probably is going to happen, or at least they want to uh, happen in, in Israel in the future. Because if you really read carefully the account in Ezekiel, you see that that is going to be an attack that literally only God can stop. The, the Israeli military won't be able to stop it. The uh, We will not have any ally that will come and help us on the ground. And that is going to be the time for the God of Israel to step in and to um, miraculously, supernaturally uh, defeat the enemy. Yeah, and to show his face in a way that cannot be denied to the whole world. And exactly. you mentioned Ezekiel 38 and 39, Amir. And as you said, it seems that Israel is facing this latter days confederation that comes against it 
essentially alone. Uh, the world protests. I'm sure there'll be some UN resolutions, but no one steps up to come to Israel's aid exactly. except God Almighty. But you see it on the Ukraine. Ukraine right now is a picture of what's going to happen to Israel. But if you really think about it, besides sanctions, there is no soldier, one single soldier that America or Europe or NATO are sending to the Ukraine, no fighter jet, no tank, no, uh, you know, a battleship, nothing. So sanctions are nice. They're more of a protest in a way, but they are not helping them on the ground in a way that can tilt the whole thing to uh, a towards a Ukrainian victory. So the good thing is I know the end of the book and I know that in, in Israel's case, it's going to be the God of Israel that is going to show up and will destroy the enemy's uh, attack. But in Ukraine's case, I must say we are watching an example uh, or maybe even a, 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 a some sort of a, um, uh, a, a pre-display uh, of what is going to happen with Israel in, in, in later on. Because Ukraine is all by itself. There's a lot of protest all around but Ukraine stands all by itself. And it, it won't be able to stand for too long. You, we all know that because even if the Russians lost even 10% of their soldiers on the ground, they still have 90% ready. And um, they have enough ammunition, enough weapons. They have 10 times the aircrafts and, and tanks and, and battleships than the Ukrainians do. And, and so they do have enough oxygen to take it long. And the Ukrainians don't. And so what we see now is, in a way, something that is very sad, but um, is, is only going to cause the Russians to have an, a greater appetite in the, in the future. And Israel is definitely going to um, suffer from that in, in the future. But again, we know the end of it. So yes, we do. I'm encouraged. Yes, we do. And Amir, one thing I love about your work at Behold Israel is you, hey, you give us the harsh reality, but you always offer encouragement. And that encouragement comes from the word of God. Hey, Vladimir Putin. Now, many have, have believed he is a candidate for Gog and leading that last day's confederation. But if things don't go according to plan in Ukraine, could Vladimir Putin possibly be in jeopardy in Russia? Absolutely. Uh, Vladimir Putin right now is acting in, according to the Western world, in a very irrational way. But according to his philosophy, it's not irrational. He's been seeing um, Ukraine as part of Russia for the longest time. And what the West and especially America did in Ukraine since 2014 for him was unacceptable. However, Vladimir Putin is also a person of interest. He can look around and see what serves his interest at the moment. And this is why he allowed the Israeli prime minister to come all the way to Moscow and talk to him, because at the moment, it serves his interest. At the moment, it serves his interest to be friends with Israel. At the moment, um, you know, interests are the name of the game in the Middle East. You know, I don't think the Saudis fell in love with us. I don't think the Emiratis fell in love with us. But I think it's within their interest at the point, at this point in history, even for the Turks at the moment, it's within their interest to be on our side. But the, when the moment comes and interest will show them that being with Israel is, is actually not a good thing, they'll immediately flip. 
Putin will do that. Turkey will do that. Iran will always stay where it is. And uh, of course, we have Syria, Libya and Sudan that at the moment um, are still on our side, but it's not Libya, Sudan, but yeah. it's only a matter of time. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not impressed with the alliances that we see today because they won't hold water for too long. They serve the interest of countries at the moment, but the minute things will shift and change, everything is going to change. And this is why I hold on to the word of God, Eric, because this cannot change. This will not change. And so I, the way I interpret world events is based on the anchor of the word of God. And from there, I can see what is going to happen. But without the Bible, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, giving you any, any wiser estimate than any other person around the world. Because Amen. what do we know? Yeah, I, I think without the Bible, I think, Amir, with everything going on in the world right now, I'd probably be hiding under this desk right now, worrying every day. Correct. But we have that blessed hope, and we have the Word of God. Hey, Israel has been in kind of a, a delicate position as this Russia-Ukraine war has been unfolding, trying to maintain good relations with both countries, as you said, Naftali Bennett uh, playing the role of mediator. For everyone watching right now who might be asking, well, why isn't Israel supplying Ukraine with arms or being more uh, being more out there in terms of their support for Ukraine? Could you break down the delicate position yeah. Israel is in because of Russia's presence in Syria at Israel's doorstep? Yeah. At the moment, um, Russia has a very, very large presence in Syria, not only with a, uh, a naval uh, seaport, but also an air base in Khmeimim, and also some special forces on the ground along the Golan Heights. And for us, um, if the Russians would not be there, it's going to be the Iranians that would be there. Everywhere the Russians are today, if they were not there, the Iranians would be there. And therefore, I, I say it's within our interest at the, at the moment to keep them and to keep good relations with them because without their blind eye or approval, we wouldn't be able to strike Iranian assets on the ground in Syria. Now, um, you, you, I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know because you did report that, that there was some tension between Israel and Russia ever since Bennett became prime minister. Putin did not trust Bennett as much as he trusted Netanyahu. And so for a few months, Israel was actually not allowed to strike from the air. And most of the attacks in Syria were surface-to-surface missiles. Naftali Bennett's traveling to Russia as a mediator actually gave us one more time the option to strike from the air. And so you see, it's a very delicate thing. When you have the Iranians and the Russians on your northern border, you do not want to be the enemy of Russia. Yeah. And everyone knows that. And so we we are not members of NATO. We are not members of the EU. We barely are members of any alliance in the region besides the Abraham Accords that are not really a, a military alliance. We cannot afford being the enemies of Russia at this point. Yeah. And, uh, and this is why we're in a very delicate situation, as you said, and uh, you and I know that the time will come that will uh, prove this uh, thing uh, right, that, that indeed it is a danger to have the Russians on our northern border, and they will make a move towards you know, attacking us. So yeah. 
Until then, we need to maintain good relations with them. And at the same time, send a field hospital. There's no other country that sent a field hospital to, to the Ukraine, only Israel. So we, we're not sitting and doing nothing. We send supplies, we send hospitals, we send doctors, but we cannot afford sending arms. Uh, just like, by the way, uh, America cannot afford sending soldiers. I mean, for the same reason. Yeah, Amir, it's very interesting. You know, in my interviews with Israeli officials, current and former, they seem to not see the threat from Russia at Israel's doorstep. I don't know if it's sort of a blind spot, but I ask them, hey, uh, what do you think? Are you concerned about Russia flipping and closing off Syrian airspace to Israel? And they've kind of dismissed that and said, no, we have this de-confliction uh, agreement. We've got an arrangement. Everything will be fine. I have found that interesting. Mm -hmm. And secondly, real quick, I wanted to ask you about the natural gas factor. Ezekiel talks about a hook in the jaw that pulls Russia to the south. Could natural gas be a factor? Israel has these large deposits, obviously, in the Mediterranean. Europe is trying to wean itself off of Russian natural gas. Perhaps Israel can fill that void. What do you think of that? First of all, I, 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 I really am very, uh, I commend you for seeing the blindness of the Israeli authorities for the Russian uh, 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 you know, threat. But you have to understand the reason why you hold your opinion is based on Bible, not based on anything else. Yeah. They do not see that. That's the problem. This is the frustration I have with all of all of my uh, friends and, and people in authority in my own country, because I know exactly what's going to happen. They, when you don't believe, you can read it, but if you don't believe in it, there's a big difference. Jesus can, uh, you know, rebuke the disciples on the road to Emmaus that they they, they read the scriptures, the prophetic scriptures, but they never believed that which the prophet have said. Israel at the moment trusts Russia, or at least used to trust Russia, too much. I think that many of them are now changing a little bit their mind when they see that, uh, you know, when Russia wants something, Russia has no problem even attacking its own flesh and blood. Ukraine is the flesh and blood of Russia. If the Russians have no problem doing that too, this country that was the cradle of the Russian Empire, if they can, if, if they can do that to them, to Russian-speaking, blue-eyed, blonde-haired people of the same Slavic heritage, how much more they will have no problem doing that to some Mediterranean, uh, you know, uh, nation that, you know, is not even related to them. So I Great think point. they start seeing that thing. But as far as the natural gas is concerned, I also, just like you do, I believe this is exactly the hook in the jaw of Russia. Israel is very careful also not to become a, a an out, out in the open competitor of Russia. So what we do, we sell more gas to Egypt and Egypt is selling it to, uh, to Europe. Um, may I also remind you that the Israeli gas is a third of the price of the gas that the Europeans are paying. Um, this is why the Egyptians and the Jordanians, as much as their nations are not in love with the gas deal with Israel, the leaders are very much in love with that deal because we sell them the cheapest gas they can ever find in the world right now. But the time will come when Russia will see and identify that Israel is basically the supplier of all of this. Mm -hmm. And... You know, the Russian economy is all about energy. It's coal, oil, and gas. And if they cannot survive, 
they will do whatever it takes to uh, to keep them the, their head of, afloat above the water and and including attacking Israel. Yeah. So I also, again, I believe, and I did a Middle East update on this subject a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I do believe that the hook in the jaw is indeed the, the natural gas of Israel, and Russia will come to that realization when uh, when they see how the sanctions are, are, are really affecting their economy. Yeah, Amir, it's, it's so amazing to watch the prophetic time clock speed up. Even 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't be talking about Israeli energy. Israeli natural gas as a factor here. But the way things are unfolding uh, year by year is amazing how things are speeding Mm -hmm. up. Hey, I want to ask you more about that Ezekiel, I guess we could call it a latter days confederation that comes against Mm -hmm. Israel, Russia at the head of it. Uh, Ezekiel specifically mentions Persia, modern day Iran. Who are some of the other players? You mentioned Turkey, Libya, Sudan earlier. Correct. Could you break that down a bit more for us now? And people may say, yes. well, Israel and Sudan are at peace now, but that may be kind of a tenuous peace, it seems. Mm-hmm. You're right. Israel is at peace with Jordan, with, excuse me, with uh, Russia and with Turkey at the moment as well. That doesn't mean that they're not going to uh, change their mind about us. And, and so um, the, the biblical account is very, very clear there will be a an attack that is led by the leader of Russia, Gog, who is going to um, go out for a financial economic war. This is not a war because we are Jews. It's not a war because we take the land from Palestine. This is all about some spoils of war. Some because the Bible says that the protest will be that they come to loot, they come to take booty, they come to they come to steal. So this is all about the spoils of war. They're coming to take something from us. And so Russia is there without any sentiments, without any agenda, uh, religious or political agenda. It's a pure financial gain. And with them comes all those that do have an agenda. Uh, you, you, you can have uh, Turkey that has the agenda of wanting to be the leader of the Sunni world. You've got Iran that wants the agenda of, of taking over the entire Muslim world as the Shiite uh, uh, you know, uh, leader. And you've got their protectorates um, in, in northern Africa that will serve at the time of need as another um, arrow from where attack will come. Mm-hmm. And of course, by doing so, embarrass Israel and try to be on the upper hand. Look, Israel cannot survive a simultaneous attack from north, east, south, and west. It cannot. And this is exactly why it's not the business of the Israeli military to win this war, because we can't. It's the business of the God of Israel to win this war. There is no way a barrage of thousands of rockets flying from Syria and from Lebanon from um, Turkey and from um, Sudan and Libya, Israel will not survive. There is no doubt that this will paralyze, cripple, and destroy our country. And so for that, we need a supernatural uh, victory that can only be achieved with, uh, you know, the God of Israel. And by the way, I'm glad that the armies of Israel and the Government of Israel are not mentioned in Ezekiel, because this is exactly the point. God wants to get the glory, and the Bible says that He's going to do that, so the nations will see that He is God. 
And this is one more display of, of his lordship and also his faithfulness to Israel. Israel eventually will not be destroyed. And so the, the, whoever will be destroyed, it's the enemies of Israel and not Israel itself. Falling on the mountains of Israel. As you said, Amir, exactly. it will be God's presence. The existence of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be Man. undeniable. Hey, two more prophetic signposts I'd like to ask you about. Uh, number one, and you've talked a lot about this on Behold Israel, uh, a possible Israeli strike on Iran's nuclear facilities, where that may lead. And secondly, Isaiah 17, a prophecy that talks about the destruction of one of the world's mm -hmm. oldest inhabited cities, the city of Damascus. What are your thoughts on those two coming events? Okay. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us that Israel is going to destroy the nuclear facilities in Iran or that it's going to be Israel that will destroy Damascus. So if I, if, if, if I say that we will do that, it's, it's, my, it's my interpretation of current events. But one thing I do know, the Iranians are weeks before they reach their nuclear capability. And I do know that Damascus has to stop from existing as a city. Th these are the two things uh, that I know. Now, what can Israel do about that? Israel has to take care of business in Iran before there is a deal. And by the way, if there is a deal, we cannot do that. Just so you know, it's uh, because the world powers are going to stand behind Iran now and not against Iran. And so we really literally have days or if not weeks to decide, are we going to strike or not? Regarding Damascus, I'm not sure who is going to destroy it, but I'm sure that Israel will be blamed for it because this is how it goes in the Middle East. If something like that happened, it's always Israel to be blamed. And that's all that matters. If Israel would be blamed, then Israel has to be paying for it. And so I always believed Although the Bible doesn't put them together, those two prophecies of Ezekiel and Isaiah, if I have to guess which one comes first, I believe that it's Damascus falling that will happen first that maybe even lead to the um, Ezekiel war. Yeah, because almost a war what, of revenge by Russia and its allies. Exactly, because yeah. what is the common ground of Iran, Turkey, and Russia in the Middle East? Syria. <laughs> Syria is the common ground. And if, if Syria, if Damascus is gone and the whole, the hopes of Syria uh, as, the, as the camp of either the Iranians, the Russians, or the Turks, if that goes up in flames, then Israel has to pay for it. Again, I have to be very careful. I'm, I'm always telling people, you know what, where the Bible is silent, we need to be silent. But, but we also need to keep our eyes open and, and, and watch what's going on around us. You know, even World War One and World War Two were not mentioned in the Bible, but they they took place, and millions of people died, and they reshaped our world. And there has to be a, a very major war that will reshape our world to the point that there is no more nationalists that will um, that will call the shots. It's going to be the globalists that will eventually have the upper hand. And, and and therefore the Antichrist can rise and rule because he's no longer he's not a the Antichrist is not a leader of a country. 
is a leader of the world. It's a different story that the world has not seen before. And for that to happen, something catastrophic has to happen earlier than that. Because that's how it is. Our world is being shaped, unfortunately, by catastrophes mostly caused by men. Yeah, Amir, great segue uh, into my next question. We see, obviously, a weakened America on one hand. And on the other hand, we see Europe, pacifistic, socialistic, atheistic Europe, uh, coming closer together now. And Germany even talking about spending more on its defense budget. Uh, Could this hastening of, of Europe coming together, a weakened America, as you mentioned, could this be laying the groundwork for that great leader the Bible foretells about? Great, not in a good way, uh, and his name is the Antichrist. Correct. I believe so. I've, I've always taught that the Antichrist will come from where the Roman Empire used to be um, 2,000 years ago, from Western Europe. I believe it, it. this is where he will come from. And I do believe that what we see in Europe today is laying the foundation for him to uh, rise from that part of the world. America's uh, uh, greatness, uh, unfortunately, is in question right now in in lieu of of your recent elections and the performance of of your uh, government right now. Look, I try to find reason in, in the performance of the U.S. government today. I really try. I try hard. I try hard to understand why would anyone with his right mind offer to remove the Iranian Revolutionary Guard from the list of terror organizations. I try to understand why would anyone want to appease Iran if if it's only going to last for two and a half years and then give them license to have a a bomb after that. I try to understand why would anyone not declare the Houthis as terror organization? Why would anyone pull out of uh, Afghanistan in such a reckless way? And I come to the point where I think it's a, such a spiritual uh, warfare and such a spiritual blindness. I don't even believe they do it on purpose. I believe they're so blinded. They are so, they call evil good and good evil, bli- you know, darkness, light and light darkness. They are fighting the wrong fights. And, yeah. and it's such a tragic thing to see, but at the same time, prophetic one. Yeah. Look, yeah. if Israel stands alone, when the Russians will come to attack us, that means America is no longer there for Israel. That means America is no longer there for its allies. And for that, America has to eventually be weak and step down from that dominance that it has. Look, you and I know that 45th president, uh, I could never say that he will not come to help us. I couldn't. You know, the, He helped us more than we actually asked him to. A true but, friend. You know, uh, you know the the last year, a year, a uh, few months, we, we we definitely see a different, uh, you know, different music from from the Oval Office. Yeah, the spiritual blindness is not just in America; it's also in Israel, it's also in Europe, and eventually we we are going to see. This is part of what the world is now going through. This whole uh, brainwashing that the world is going through right yeah. now. Uh, much of the war in the Ukraine and Russia is is actually a war of disinformation, a war of, of the media, a war of, of brainwashing. Look, this is a new dimension that we've never seen before. And now, whoever rules, whoever runs the show when it comes to the media, when it comes to you know brainwashing people, that's the person that is going to lead eventually. That's the person who's going to win eventually. 
Yeah, the prophetic chess piece is moving on the board. Amir, you have a front row seat in the land of Israel. Last question, what are you working on right now? What are you working on at Behold Israel? I know you're working on a great new book first. Secondly, if you can, just give us some words of encouragement. That's something you're so great at. You give us the truth, you give us the hard facts, but you give us that biblical encouragement as well. Yeah. Well, Eric, um, first of all, uh, we just came out with a brand new uh, book uh, to explain the book of Revelation, because I I do believe that there's a a horrible biblical illiteracy among Christians who misinterpret things, take things out of context. And therefore, instead of being encouraged, they're, they're anxious, they're fearful, and they're confused. So I, I wrote a book called Revealing Revelation. It's a, it's a journey throughout all 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. And there's a workbook that comes. But I also, I also realize there's, a, there's hundreds of thousands of people around the world that will not go into a bookstore and pick up a Christian study book. So for that, I tackle this with a, a thriller, a fiction thriller. This one is... Operation Yuktan. I basically, this is going, that's the first installment. We are working on the second one. And basically what I'm saying is I'm bringing to those who want to run away from reality. I am bringing them the reality in a different way. I also travel around the world. We teach uh, in conferences. I'm going to be in, in the UK next week. And then in Italy, in Sicily and mainland Italy as well. We're uh, planning some tours also to um, you, to uh, uh, Canada, the Philippines, South Africa, America, uh, again in September and more. And, you know, the time is short and we want to encourage people to understand the plan of God for the believers and the plan of God for the world and to understand that these are two different things. And your decision today will determine where you're going to be when those terrible events are going to happen in this world. Because the, the book of Revelation is not an easy book to, uh, to, to digest because it's, there's a lot of horrific things that are going to happen. But the thing is, these are things that will happen to a world that did not accept Christ when it had a chance to. And so I want to encourage people not to let the time go by and be a bystander. I, if they want to be encouraged, they need to, if they want peace in this very troublesome time, yeah. they need a prince of peace, right. the Lord of peace, and they need that peace that the world cannot give. And it's only through Christ. And to know Christ, you need to know him. You, know, you need to know his word and you need to have his spirit in you. And that is why we encourage people to make that bold move to, um, accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, and not just as a religious figure in their life. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is is a uh, relationship. And if you don't know that you have been born again, maybe you have not been born again. And, And Jesus said, unless you're born again from above, you will not be able to enter into the kingdom of God. And so I I urge people to make that bold move uh, repent from their sins, acknowledge that they need a Savior, ask Jesus into their heart, and uh, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and enter into the most amazing journey that they will ever have. A journey that will revive them now, and also give them eternal life in the future. 
That's right. Love it, Amir. Thank you so much for that encouragement. Hey, we would love to have you back. Number one, to share your testimony sometime here in The Watchman. I know everyone would love to hear that. And number two, both of the books, we need to discuss those as well in some future interviews. Amir, this was great. Can't thank you enough thank for your you. time and your insights, my friend. God bless you. We look forward to seeing all of your great new work on Behold Israel. Stay safe, Amir. We'll see you soon. Thanks again. Thank you, Eric. God bless you. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks again to our good friend, Amir Sarfati, for those powerful prophetic insights. Hey, I want you to do one thing before we go today. I want you to go to Amir's channel, Behold Israel, right here on YouTube, and be sure to subscribe. For more of the kind of great insights that he shared with us today, Amir is coming to you every day at Behold Israel, so be sure to subscribe. And hey, check out his books at Amazon.com. I look forward to reading them as well. Amir is doing great work for such a time as this. When he was talking, I was thinking of First Chronicles and the sons of Issachar. The Bible says they knew the signs, they knew the times, and they knew what Israel should do about it. I believe that Amir Sarfati is a modern-day son of Issachar, and we are always glad to have him right here on the Watchman Newscast. Hey, thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Newscast. Until tomorrow, God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace.